Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. A lot of people in this state remember Kenny Dillingham as the offensive coordinator at the University of Oregon. He's now at Arizona State, head coach there. Uh, coach, uh, give us an idea. What's what's that been like for you and your family to kind of take that next step? It's awesome to be home. It's awesome to be back. Uh, obviously, uh, both my myself and my wife's alma mater. Uh, my wife obviously danced here, so, you know, she's back home too. And both of our families are born and raised here, so it's, it's just good to be home and back at a place that we both care about. Did you look around when you were a student there and go, you know, I'd like to coach here someday, or did would have that would have would that have sounded like a pipe dream? No, I definitely did. I always had big dreams. Uh, that was just kind of what what drove me was just the the dreams that I kind of set for myself. Uh, even as a young coach, as a 17 year old when I started started this deal, so I always had dreams to be the head coach here. All right. Uh, signing day the early signing period came and uh you know everybody's obviously thrilled with the classes they got but how did that go for you kind of making that transition on the fly getting hired then putting a staff together and then here comes signing day i mean kind of like getting thrown into the deep end with like a a weight attached to you (laughs) uh i mean it was uh it was definitely i mean i think we had seven kids committed at the time and they had four kids in the prior class so we definitely knew that we had to get the back end, the young, the youth, the roster uh, changed in terms of get more guys in there. So we definitely made a priority to, for high school kids. And then the transfers, you know, we took a good amount of transfers, but uh, those transfers, a lot of those guys have three or four years left because we did have a void in the roster uh, for this next coming up sophomores class. Uh, so we had to fill that that void with some guys that were freshmen at other schools that went in the portal with some tra- JUCO kids that have three years left. We had to kind of fix that void in the roster to get our numbers right. So it was it was a whirlwind. A lot happened fast, but I think our coaching staff did a good job and and got good kids. I think that was the key for us is the culture. We got good kids who are going to come in here to compete. You went through this as the offensive coordinator at Oregon just a year ago with Dan Lanning coming in and kind of, you know, the whirlwind that he went through. Did you learn something in watching him and being part of that that you applied this time around? Yeah, it was a great learning experience for me last year because Coach Lanning was obviously not there for the first month. Uh, He was still back in Athens. So for me, I kind of got to meet with the players and and get around the players and see how the operation was going to happen and kind of be boots on the ground. Uh, there in order. It was a great experience for me uh, last year, and uh, I had the same situation uh, at Florida State as well. So uh, I've been blessed to have been through that situation a few times. So I kind of knew exactly how to plan of how I wanted to attack it. You know the conference. You've coached in it. You've seen it. You know, you grew up in it. You, you know, it, it looks like this bowl season and a bunch of 10 win teams. It's a good time to be in the Pac 12. What do you think of the conference, and how much are you paying attention to the bowl games? Are you watching Washington, Oregon, UCLA? You you watching these teams play? Oh, 
for sure. I mean, I love this conference. Uh, this is, I mean, it's it's showing. This is one of the most competitive conferences in college football this year. Uh, the offensive firepower. And what is funny is, you know, you look at the statistics, and there's a lot of offensive teams in the top five to ten in college football that are from this league. And then you get the defenses and how much success they've had in this bowl season. It just shows you how competitive this league was this year. Uh, I think somebody mentioned it the other day. This could have been the best this league's been in 10 years. And uh, just coming here from other conferences, uh, this league was impressively talented uh, across the board this year. And there's no gimmies. And I think that's the hardest thing is this league every single week, uh, you know, you could get beat. Uh, And it's a challenge to show up every single week and have to be a playing your A game. And that's why I don't think anybody still, nobody's gone undefeated in Pac-12 play uh, for that reason. You guys uh, at your introductory news conference, you were passionate, you were fired up. You talked about recruiting that area and keeping kids from Arizona home. Um, You know, huge population base there. Then you went out and hired a staff that really is homegrown. You've got guys that you have coached with and played for and been around. How important is that familiarity for you in building a staff? Oh, it's huge. And I think the key in college football is you want people who want to be at a school. You want people who have a pride in it because I'm living testimony crap. I was at three schools or four, however many schools in six years moving across the country because that's part of of it. And I wanted a staff that wanted to be here. I wanted a staff who woke up every day and this was their dream job. That way when we go and recruit a kid, they know that our running back coach is going to be here. Our head coach is going to be here. Our tight ends coach is going to be here. Our D-line coach is going to be here. Our defensive coordinator was born and raised here. Like, I want guys that wake up and that walk into this building and say, man, am I blessed to be here. That's players, that's coaches, that's everybody. And I think I was blessed that there's enough guys that are really, really good coaches. I mean, Coach Ward was, you know, one of the best coordinators in this league last year, and he happened to be from – he used to deliver water bottles to the stadium. You know, so it's one of those deals where I was blessed that there was a lot of good coaches at a lot of good locations and, and other schools that wanted to be here and wanted to come home. When a coach takes over a program, you're in a, you're in a strange position because you know you come through the door and you want to upgrade the talent, you want to upgrade the depth, but you don't want to kill the guys that are on the roster that are coming back. So it's not like you go, hey, these guys aren't good enough. How do you manage the, the returning players that – you need next season, and how do you keep them engaged when they're playing for a guy who didn't recruit them? I think it's just be honest with them. Hey, listen, uh, we're going to compete here, and we're be ready to put in the work. I think that's been we're going to. I always say we're going to have more fun working harder than anybody in the country. Like that's something that I take pride in. Is can you have fun? Can you fall in love with the process of growth? Not, anybody can just want to be great. Right, but if you don't fall in love and and you know embrace the process of growth, like if you don't have fun getting better, then you're going to be miserable the rest of your life. Right, you're either going to be miserable because you didn't you didn't make out to be anything, or you're going to be miserable because you don't like what you're doing. You better fall in love and learn how to enjoy and have fun getting better and working your butt off. And I think that's been the message, everybody, is get ready to have more fun working harder than you've ever worked because that's the goal, that's the challenge. Can we help make each other better to get this place where we need to be? 
you uh, you were a lot of fun to watch coach and call plays this year at Oregon. Uh, how how enjoyable was that experience for you having Bo Nix and and it looked like midseason you guys were just popping up forty points a game like it was no sweat. Yeah, it was that was so much fun. That entire team, I can't mention names because of NCAA rules, but all those guys, man, they're they're the reason I'm here. There's no bones about it. You know, those guys, the guys at Florida State, those are the reason. Those are the reasons I'm here, uh, is because of those guys' success. And uh, I think we just had a lot of fun, working hard and buying in and believing. And uh, it was unfortunate, obviously. You know, somebody we we had we had a few injuries down the stretch there that slowed us down because we were rolling pretty good there uh, for a while, uh, for a lot. And, and you know, we finished pretty good, but. You know, we could have finished a little bit better, and and I wish we did. But that's just, you know, it's part of it. And I had a blast, man. That that's a that was an awesome, 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 awesome year for me. What does that feel like when you're calling a game and everything's in rhythm and everything seems to be working and you're just having fun? Because there were some games midseason where you were throwing to offensive linemen and Bo was running the ball, and uh, you know, obviously you were spreading the ball around the field. It just looked like. You were having fun playing a video game up there in the press box. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, that's what it's about, you know, is we wanted to have as much fun being sound as you could be. And if you can get your guys to do creative things but explain to them that this isn't a trick, this is like sound football, because if this isn't there, we're going to do this. And I think that was the benefit of having a guy who I believe should be a first-round draft pick at quarterback uh, who I firmly believe, I think both my last two guys should be first-round draft picks. And and those guys, when they take control of the game and you give them control of the game, then you can do more creative things. And I think that was the, the key to our success this year was the empowerment of the QB position to where those guys, and he could really take over and play the game comfortably, and it allowed me to call games extremely aggressively. I thought about you because in the Holiday Bowl, you know, it, it turns out Bo Nix makes the play call on the winning, uh, you know, touchdown. And I thought about a conversation I had with you midseason in which you said, look, I, you, you were giving autonomy to your players. And you were saying, hey, if you don't like what you see out there, you want to change the play, you can change the play. That, that is a uh, comfortable position for a coach and a comfortable position for a player. No question. And I think that just comes with trust, you know, the, the trust that you built up through the work. And I think that is what certain guys deserve, certain guys who put in the work, certain guys who it matters to. You have to have trust in them as a coach to let them shine. You have to have trust in them as a coach to say, you know what, this is your game, not mine. You know, I'm up here in the box eating a hot dog, right? You're out there on the field making a play, (laughs) right? We should probably want to run the play you want to run as long as you've put in the work, as long as, I have a reason for why you want to run it. If you give me a good reason, if you give me that you've put in the work and that you've proven it before, why would I not want you to, to, to take the snap with, with that empowerment? Uh, and that's just part of, you know, lo- you lose that control as a coach, but at the same token, you know, you gain a lot more control because you're letting the guy that matters be comfortable. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, confidence is comfort. Comfort is confidence. We're talking to Kelly, Kenny Dillingham, head coach, Arizona State. Uh, quarterbacks in the portal, it, you know, there was a week this year in the Pac-12 that 10 of the 12 schools started a transfer. It, Kenny, is this just the way it's going to be? Are we going to see 
transfers coming in and, you know, maybe fewer schools really developing and keeping a guy for three or four years? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just going to be on a kid-by-kid basis. Uh, to be honest, school-by-school basis, I think the transfer portal has changed the game. And I definitely think in this league with, with predominantly good weather in, you know, Arizona, Southern California, and up to, up to Cali, you have good weather, you have a good league to play quarterback in, that this league has proven this is the league you want to play quarterback in. This is a style of play you want to play quarterback in. So it definitely is going to be intriguing for kids moving forward when you see the success the quarterbacks have had in this league, why would you not want to be the next guy in it? You know, so I definitely there will be a trend, uh, but I do still think there'll be high school kids, and there should be high school kids that come in, earn the job, win the job, and uh, and have success. Do you have a hard time, though, talk, telling a freshman, hey, be patient, I'm bringing a transfer in? That's a tricky conversation. It is. I think the key is just, once again, honesty. Tell a guy. I mean, I've brought in a transfer that hasn't won the job. I've brought in a transfers in my career that have won the job. I think telling the guy that we're going to play the best player. And I don't think – I think the quarterback gets the most pub about it, but I think that's going to be the philosophy that we have here always is if we can make our team better, we're going to bring in a player who we think can make them better. It's your job to put in the work, prepare. That way you're the player that makes us better. It's it's not my job to to play a player. It's your job to make me play you, and I firmly and it's my job to help you become better, the best player you can be. It's your job to put in the work and become the player that you can be. So I can't leave you on the sideline. So I just think that's part of part of the game. I think everybody understood uh, you going home, being promoted from a coordinator to a head coach. Still, there were people who looked at the end of the season and said, "Hey, was Kenny Dillingham distracted?" What do you say to those people? Yeah, I was distracted only because I was all in. Like, I was so all in at Oregon, all in. I mean, for me, right, at that stage, I mean, I think we scored. We went into the – I mean, I think we had 30 points in two of the last three games versus uh, two of the best defenses in the league. And our quarterback got hurt in the second-to-last game. We had, and, uh, you know, second last game versus Utah, we had 17 points in the first half. And then they realized that <laughs> our quarterback didn't practice all week and couldn't move out of the pocket mm-hmm. and started playing house zero. Mm-hmm. And there's not, you know, it limits what you can do. But from a plan perspective, if you look at, we played the Washington game and, you know, we shortened the game in the third quarter up and we, you know, we had a lot of success. We went up and down the field and uh, in the third quarter, we shortened the game uh, with a long drive that we just, you know, our, we got hurt on the last drive at quarterback, mm-hmm. and uh, otherwise we could have ended it. And then, obviously, we scored 30-something points in the last game So with a quarterback who wasn't completely healthy. So to answer those questions, absolutely not. That's not what I'm about. I am about the people, and I was all in on trying to win a Pac-12 championship. I was all in on trying to go to the Rose Bowl. I was on it all in on trying to go to the Final Four. Uh, that's not how it played out, which sucked. But for me, not even close. I was as the only thing that distracted me was the vision of being 11-1, and one, being 12-1, and one, and going to play the Final Four. Yeah, and I kept telling people, I said, look, if, if, if even if Kelly Dillingham says, hey, my aspiration is to be Arizona State's head coach one day, he doesn't accomplish that by looking bad in, in the last few games of the season. Like, it, it would have benefited you anyway to go out and put 40 or 50 points up 
What happened in the Oregon Oregon State game? As you look back at that one, it sticks with a lot of Duck fans. Uh, help make sense of the second half there. Yeah, well, third quarter we went. You know, we had a really good third quarter. Uh, if you look at, you know, us, we, we scored points in the third quarter. Uh, fourth quarter was a struggle for us. We missed an opportunity on a third and medium where the linebacker makes a great play. We call a stutter and go in the slot, makes a great play, batting the ball down, which would have been a, probably a 50-yard gain to, to uh, a tight end. Uh, and then we field position kind of – we struggled with field position in that quarter. I think we got the ball on the one, got the ball on the five. Uh, which obviously when you face a really good defense, you know, Oregon State was a, you know, they were only giving up 13 points a game their last six games, and we scored 30-something. And uh, so the fact that, you know, we got the ball backed up was it was a struggle for us to move the ball down the field, and then we did move the ball all the way down the field, and, uh, you know, we, we couldn't punch it in. We got the ball on the five-yard line. We got into big people. And we pretty much tried to play mono-e-mono football, four plays from the five, let's run it four times, get a yard and a half to play. And uh, those guys stepped up. And uh, I definitely could have done a better job game planning that situation and, and putting our guys in probably a, a better situation, not just a one-on-one situation, but I could have probably done a better job trying to get a, a plus one or maybe in hindsight doing something different because it didn't work. But I wanted to lean on our big guys in that situation. But, you know, I think other than those – Two to three drives, we got backed up. I think we had a, a good amount of success. When did it hit you when you when you get to Arizona State? Was it the news conference? Was it you walk into the office and realize that's your new that's your office? Uh, was it you know being around your parents or, or your wife or her family? When did it hit you that hey this is this thing's come full circle for you? Yeah, it was the news conference. You know, I went to the news conference obviously balled like a little baby on there. For about uh, for about three minutes, but once once I got through that, but that was just so emotional for me because you know I sat there and you know there was a kid I played little league baseball with in the back with his with his family. There was a guy that came into my wedding uh, who was sitting in the corner. I didn't know he was coming. There was my family who was there. There was my wife's family. There were all these people that I had known uh, for my entire life that randomly were there. And it was just a uh, a very – that was when it hit me. And that was the, really the, the time it hit me because after that I've been moving and grooving and I haven't really had time to look back or breathe. So uh, that was really the, those three minutes were really when it hit me. It's interesting because I've seen guys who have said – other head coaches who have said, I don't want to coach in, in at the school that I went to. I don't want to come home. It adds a level of scrutiny. There, other people say, no, I embrace it. Be, like Jonathan Smith, I understand it. I know I know who they are. Um, you strike me as, hey, I understand it. I know what this place is, guy. No question. Well, I think this city is so unique because it's it's growing, and it's a melting pot of different people. You know, it's people from the Midwest. It's people from Arizona, people from California, people from the South, people from Texas, people from – I mean, it's people from all over the country here. And if you don't understand what this city is, you're going to miss out on what it has to offer. And I think that's what makes this place in Arizona State so special is the Phoenix metropolitan area. I always say the valley. Activate the valley. And, you know, I've had people come to me and say, oh, activate the valley. You're only going to play Arizona kids. Not even close to what activate the valley means. But that's what some teams are doing to, like, negatively recruit against us. Activate the valley means let's get one of the largest metropolitan areas to get all in on our program. Let's get 55,000 people 
out to the games and have unbelievable tailgates. Let's create a college atmosphere in this unbelievable city that NFL players come to retire in, right? Let's, that's what activate the ballot means. It means let's get the city all in behind this program, right? Because if we do, holy cow. Well, I mean, this, this place can be special. Yeah, and I think it's an advantage. I even had uh, the, the Sun, Sun Angel Collective uh, you know, asked to come on the show because they know there are Arizona State alumni that are in the state of Oregon that, you know, the, the show broadcast across the state. So uh, you have an advantage with a huge alumni base that is around the, you know, the western part of the United States in particular. But it's an advantage that maybe some others don't have. And, you know, I, I, Kenny, I'm excited for you. I think a lot of people are excited for you. It was a lot of fun to watch your teams play. Will Will you call the plays? Will the offense look similar at Arizona State? Or how will that work for you? Have you figured that out? It'll look very similar, but I will not be calling the plays. Uh, Coach Baldwin will be our play caller. Pacific Northwest should know him extremely well. Yep. Obviously won a national championship up at uh, as the head coach of Eastern Washington. Yeah, he, I, I think it's really – I think your staff, I'm looking at it, and I see you know there's some gray hair on the staff, which I like, and you've got you know, the young guys recruiting and enthusiasm and obviously the connections to that area. It makes sense what you did there. Kenny, thank you for joining us. I'll catch up with you uh, probably at media day, closer to the season. We'll talk to you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you. Want to know what you thought of that? Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State head coach, says he was not distracted down the stretch. Do you believe him? I don't blame Oregon fans who saw the second half of the Civil War football game and went, hey, man, that didn't look like the rest of the season. Well, part of it, I think, uh, related to the fact that Bo Nix was not healthy. And part of it related to the fact that Oregon State is damn good at home. Let's give the Beavers some credit, too. Virtually unbeatable at home. USC got them, and in the last two seasons, that's the only loss Oregon State has had at home, and USC got them by three. 503-417-7575. Tell me what you took away from that interview. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.